More and more likely that the Houston area will see freezing temperatures early next week, and forecasters are urging residents to be prepared. ERCOT issued a special message ahead of the chilling weather, saying that they are predicting an extreme cold weather event from Monday, January 15th through Wednesday, January 17th. Temperatures are expected to plummet into the teens for areas along and north of the I-10 corridor, while the Houston metro areas south of I-10 will be in the low 20s, according to the National Weather Service. Support this newscast and this station now by becoming a member at kpft.org. And thanks for tuning in to 90.1 KPFT Houston. Welcome to Growing Up in America here on KPFT, Pacifica Radio, 90.1. Uh, here, Claire, Claire Dutre. How you doing, Claire? How, I'm good. We have a packed a, house today. We do. We have a packed house, and it's been a while since we've been on the air live, right? I mean, we had the little winter break, and so it's nice to be back. And today, people want to stay tuned. It's the big prediction show. Big day. So, are you ready with all your predictions, Claire? I, well, I'm ready for the entertainment and data trend category. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Taylor Swift that you would want. Uh, I know. You're going to be provided by Claire Dutre. So today uh, we're doing predictions, but this is a discussion on our children, public policy, and how do we as a city and a community do when it comes to taking care of every single one of our kids. Growing Up in America is a production of Children at Risk, the voice for the children of Texas. It's me, Bob Sanborn, along with Claire Dutre. And <clears throat> Claire, we have an amazing lineup of guests who are here with their crystal balls to do prognosis of what the year looks like. First off, in the studio with us, Claudia Aguirre, CEO of the largest social service nonprofit in the state of Texas, Baker Ripley. Claudia, how are you Hi. doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Very good. Hey, this are you... is the coolest place ever. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is prime time radio. Yeah, yeah this is <laughs> oh, this is okay. like the big time. And we're so excited because you've come with this list of predictions, and you are known for your predicting ability, mm. right? You are I, known to get it that right. That crystal ball of mine. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited, though. I mean, Thank you. but when we talk about Texas and what's going to happen in the coming year, uh, just bringing awareness to the needs of Texas, I think, is going to be important. For us. So thanks so much for being here with Thank us you. today. Sure. Yeah. Also with us, uh, Caroline Roberts, who is the senior staff attorney at Children at Risk. Caroline, how are you doing? Doing great. Very good. And uh, you also are known for your uh, ability to not get things right, predicting, right? <laughs> I mean, that's so we needed to have you on here. But uh, you have been one of the leaders in Texas in the fight against human trafficking. You've been one of the leaders in Texas around opportunity youth. So thank you very much for being here today with us. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And then on the line is our good buddy uh, from under the dome at the state capitol, uh, Jason Sabo. Jason, how you doing? Great. Happy New Year to you, Bob, and everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year, Jason. Jason, uh, I know that this is one we've had. We've been doing this with you. I think uh, it goes back almost uh, 17 years, I think, we've been doing this radio, this prediction show with you. And uh, you have been, um, I would say, the thing that you're most known for is being super careful when you make your predictions, right? <laughs> like, you don't want to lose business. Well, well you know, I, I am super careful, generally speaking. But, you know, I was thinking about this conversation we're having today. And one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to have no filter. So oh. Oh, I think I'm ready. I'm <laughs> well, that's really good. I mean, you have given me a hard time for not having a filter in the state capitol before, Jason. I have. 
have, Bob. I have. But, you know, there's a, as the years have gone by, the wisdom of your ways has become readily more apparent. <laughs> I, I remember, Claire, I remember Jason telling me, I've repeated this so many times, Jason saying, you know, Dr. Bob, there's only a handful of people who could go to the state capitol and say whatever the heck they want, and you were one of them. So it's, uh, I always like I uh, need a picture of you, Bob, uh, <laughs> in front of my camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, hey, uh, speaking of uh, resolutions, is that your is that your big resolution for the year, Jason? Uh, no, my big resolution for the year is yes, just yes. So, if I have opportunities presented before me, I'm just going to say yes. Yeah, at that moment. a culture of saying yes. Claire, what's your uh, what's your big resolution for the year? Mine is to be more intentional about my time. I feel like I'm always rushing. And someone told me recently, um, save guilt or save future guilt for the future. Don't borrow it. I'm saying it completely wrong, butchering it. But I I live with that now. Don't borrow any guilt or worry from the future. Just let things happen and spend time with people around you. Excellent. Very good. Uh, Caroline, do you have a big uh, uh, resolution? My big resolution is to do different things, uh, get out, travel. I just had a baby, but I don't want that to stop me from uh, trying new hobbies and going new places. Excellent. Very good. All right, Claudia, what's your big resolution for the year? So uh, personally, to have more time for myself, but really professionally, Bob, I think uh, the last few years I haven't had an opportunity to really mentor um, some of our young leaders. And Mm -hmm. the last few weeks that I've been out in holiday parties, Oh, my God. I have met some amazing women, Mm, and and, and, and mostly Latina women, young and feisty and energetic. And uh, my New Year's resolution is get them on my calendar. and Let's start working on getting you up there. So, um, yeah, that's it. You know, I love that, right? I mean, when we look at demographics in Texas, 66% of all the babies born in Texas, Latino. And yet when you look at, you you go up to Dallas, and you and I have talked about this, the number of Latino, Latina leaders – practically zero right and you look around texas here we have a state that should be leading the nation in terms of latino leadership uh and but we need to we need to be much more intentional about it don't we and you know i said about 10 years ago when i started there at baker ripley i said um i'm not you know i'm not excusing the um the need for us to be out there to vote but i said the majority of our leaders are in middle school, guys. They're in high school. And this was 10, 15 years ago. They're here now, and they're ready. So I think we're at a new year, new date, and this narrative of, you know, we're not voting, we're not up there, you know, that nearly has to be uh, deflated, and we need to have a new narrative and saying there are people, and we will vote. Yeah. That's how we Excellent. do it. Very good. Very good. A lot of good resolutions there, Claire. So uh, pretty exciting, What's right? yours? So pr- – Professionally, one of the things that I'm very interested in is that we're not giving enough attention to here in Texas is immigration. And so I've decided that that is going to be sort of my issue of the year. And, you know, people see me around education or human trafficking or early childhood, but I really want to do a lot more around immigration and really bring a much more national spotlight on why we're doing so many things wrong in immigration. But moreover, the kids and families that are already here, why aren't we doing more for them as well? So that's uh, one of my big uh, – and uh, uh, personally, you know, it's, it's the same as it's been for the last 20 years. Lose weight, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to do and uh, work out more and so forth. Okay, Jason, I want to start with you on our next category. So right after the musical break, uh, we're going to go into presidential elections, and we're going to talk about who – should be the presidential nominees for each party, and then who will be the presidential nominees, and then who's going to win in November. We'll be right back after a quick break. All right, we're back. Jason Sabo is with us. Claudia Gear is with us. Caroline Roberts. Claire and I are just sort of uh, monitoring the whole thing as we do the annual prediction show. And uh, this is an election year. And historically in the United States, election years have been big years. Lots of prediction uh, stuff going on. And 
Claire, I think I am still living by the year that I predicted that Obama would be the nominee. And I remember, I'm still, you know, even though I've had predictions wrong since then, I still go with that. Because that year, that was the time everyone thought Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee. And I was saying Obama is going to be the nominee. But, you know, I also predicted Clinton would win and Trump won. And so, you know, it's uh, (laughs) so so forth. But uh, uh, Sabo, who should be the nominees for the Republicans and Democrats? Well, I think that we're going to have, I think New Hampshire in particular is going to be really interesting and what, like we're a couple, less than a couple weeks out from New Hampshire. I think Nikki Haley is going to do a lot better than people are expecting. Mm. I think that there's a rising concern, but I also think that Trump's going to dominate in Iowa and is just going to dominate across the South and will be the nominee. Uh, I also think on the the Democratic side, not a lot of surprises. We're seeing Joe Biden queued up to, to obviously return to the ballot in November. Uh, if the election were happening today, I honestly think that Donald Trump would probably win. And given where we are kind of post-January 6th, I cannot believe that I am uttering those words. And do you think, I mean, as a predictor, go to the- – Go to November, not if we're today. If we're if you're in November, who do you think is going to win in November? You still think Trump? I, I do, I wow. do. I feel like there is an unease in the country right now, and an unease combined with a lack of motivation and mobilization makes me very nervous about where we're headed in the next year. Wow, be afraid, be very afraid. Be afraid, yeah. that yeah. you know. Be and, afraid. I and, agree. And, and I want to go back to the first question. If you had your druthers, who would be the nominees? I mean, who should be the nominees? Not not who will be. That's a really interesting question. I think I, I think the Republicans are crazy for not putting Nikki Haley yeah. on the ticket as quickly as they can because I think that she resets the whole frame for them going into the the remainder of the twenty first century. And I also think that on the Democratic side, it's amazing that Kamala Harris hasn't gotten more energy mm. over the course of the last four years. I also think that in many ways, so many people are becoming ossified, but we already know that Gavin Newsom, is he's ready in case something were to happen to Biden. Uh, somebody like Governor Pritzker out of Illinois already positioning himself. So in many ways, the you know, the 2028, I guess, Democratic presidential contest is already on. Pritzker versus Newsom, looking at the governors, looking outside of Washington. Yeah, very good. Claudia Aguirre from Baker Ripley. Um, I'll go with the should first. You know, if you're if, if you had your druthers, who would be the nominees for the Republicans and the, and the Democrats? Oh, Bob, um, that oh, that is just that is a hard one. I, yeah. I will say that I am. Um, you know, agree with Jason. I am just, I personally, I'm disappointed with um, the energy that any Democrat is um, um, or isn't bringing to the table. I think that there are so many issues in so many places around yeah. the country that um, that this energy could energize um, the following, and, and they're not. And, you know, like Jason, I think uh, Trump's going to take uh, the Republican. Um, and I think that Biden will, um, unlike Jason, I think Biden will end up winning. Um, and, um, uh, vice president Harris, uh, you know, she came to town uh, a couple weeks ago and we were, um, I hadn't been a fan as much, you know, I just had seen her kind of, um, uh, as, the side um, um, yeah. official, um, but I was re- really surprised. One You're on impressed one, with her when you I saw was. her. I was one yeah. on one. She was she was just amazing, energetic. I don't know if her folks or who is behind the scenes and not bringing that energy, or perhaps she hasn't been able to uh, come into her own. But the same person I met here is not the same person you see on TV. So if we can get Harris, uh, Vice President um, Kamala Harris, to really have an energy about her she might be a a, a great contender but as far as i see now i just don't see nor do i have a prediction of who would it would just be all right but you're going with biden in november i'm going with biden um yeah yeah very good caroline roberts how about what do you should who should be the nominees 
Well, yeah, I, I grew up in South Carolina, and I still remember when Nikki Haley became governor and against all odds. So, uh, you know, we we don't agree on much, but uh, I did think it was so impressive. She ran against the good old boy system that yeah. ruled. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Murdochs, but that is uh, yeah. kind of the political landscape sometimes in uh, South Carolina. And she um, was really anti-establishment, um, but I think in a more positive way. Uh, I just don't think, though, that there is much appetite for anyone but Trump. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then so you, you think in Trump and Biden, the nominees, mm-hmm. and then who do you think will win in November? Oh, man. Uh, I don't want to jinx myself. I, I'm hoping uh, Biden, but I, I almost don't want to put a prediction out there. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it is the prediction show. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Claire, how about Claire? What are you thinking? I am a couple years from Gen Z, but speaking for them and being on the internet chronically, I feel like we're talking a lot about how they can vote and they're kind of lost. But if they do show up, um, they burn out very quickly. They have instant gratification. I unfortunately (laughs) agree with Jason, where they're not happy. You have more access and more understanding quickly in two minute TikToks of what Biden's doing and failing to do. Yeah. um, More so than you might have had with Trump or just more recently. And so when it comes to another election, they want the shiny new thing. Um, And so it scares me and it worries me. And I don't want to see another nation with Trump. So, again, I don't agree with Nikki Haley on much. I feel like um, I have seen a lot of her clips where she favors or leans more moderate is what's being shared. And so I think if she was put up, she would be more favorable, especially with moderate or Democratic Gen Z um, contenders because of what they're seeing in voters. But, yeah, I'm just... I'm going to, I don't know, I'm like, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm just going to say Biden, so I I don't even have to think about a world with Trump as president again. Let let me ask you this. I mean, because you're Gen Z, you're you're a youngster, Claire, and you're also a Taylor Swift fan, and and you and I both pay a lot of attention to TikTok, more than we probably should, but you hear, you know, how Fox News has really gone out against Taylor Swift. You know, why did she get all these kids to register to vote? Well, all those young people, the 500,000 who registered to vote after Taylor Swift said register to vote, um, if Taylor Swift says you need to stop Trump, you need to go vote for Biden, will they? Will, will... In two seconds, but she won't. And I, I think what Fox News also is not capturing is um, the same group that sees that and is very um, against propaganda and understands the silly and harmful rhetoric being spread. They're also holding celebrities like Taylor Swift accountable. So in the yeah. same breath, they're saying, why isn't she saying that? Um, why aren't these celebrities on these platforms speaking up more about what's happening in other countries? Um, yeah, not understanding that, that ultimately they run through like 17 publicist lines. But looking at these teens, it really is just they see through a lot of the things in the rhetoric, but they also um, aren't favoring what's happening right now. And so if anyone offers, I think if Nikki Haley does get up there, she'll offer them something um, I don't know, more attractive, even with four years, eight years of hearing the Republican Party spiral. Caroline? What what has been so disappointing to me is how the Democrats have just completely conceded the economy. I was looking Mm -hmm. at an article uh, through 10 graphs comparing the economy in 2020 versus now. All we hear about is inflation, but wages have kept up. We've been adding jobs. The economy is not so bad as it seems, and yet... Uh, according to social media, according to all the media articles, yeah. the Democrats have just completely the, conceded the economy. And it's like Bill Clinton said, it's the economy, stupid. That's what yeah. that's what people vote on. And that scares me a lot. Claudia, when you look at the, the, the groups in Texas that vote, and if the groups that don't vote in Texas decided to vote, and we know with Ted Cruz running and a couple of really nice Democratic candidates running against him, very attractive candidates – uh, if those two groups, groups voted, it could be that Trump would lose Texas and it'd be all, it'd be all over, right? Game over. Uh, but those groups are young people, to Claire's point, and Latinos, Latinas. Uh, and you and I are on – I'm on Univision Telemundo all the time talking about this. It's always how I finish my interviews is like we need to vote. If we vote, things change. What's your take, though, on Latino voting in the United States and specifically in Texas? It could change everything. It could, and um, it also, um, I believe, is individualized by the person. I think if the same amount of Latinos were voting that were uh, able to, 
and Trump was on the ballot, he would lose. If that same number was voting and someone else was on the ballot, they'd have a shot. Mm. Because uh, Latinos are, are are truly some of the more conservative yeah. um, when it comes to things, but uh, Trump has just you know alienated completely that community. Um, so I don't know. It really becomes on which candidate p- people push up uh, on their platform that will determine. But I think uh, Latinos are are we're pressured a lot more now to figure out how to get them to vote. Yeah. And will young people vote Claire in Texas at all? I know. I was I was going to say no. I think, I would hope, and I. but I think in the last election, we were on the cusp of so much um, divide in the country that it was almost, it felt like you were doing this huge movement to go out and vote, and everyone was encouraging it, and it felt like a very powerful thing. But I think what they expected and wanted um, was a huge 180 of a country and the divide to just end and fizzle, and they didn't see as much of a turnaround and so now it might not feel as much as a, you know, you have to keep voting and you have to keep, like, that momentum might have died down. So I would hope people still understand um, that even if it's calmer, even if it doesn't feel as um, a powerful moment to vote Trump out, um, he could be voted in. Like, not voting is a vote for the party, as my parents always said, which yeah. to each their own. Jason Sabo, uh, if uh, Colin Allred from North Texas uh, is the Senate candidate for the Democrats. He's running against Ted Cruz. Uh, If more Latinos and more young people voted, uh, ostensibly he he could win. And what would that mean for Trump on the ballot in Texas? Well, I I don't know if that's the truth, though. Mm. If more Latinos vote, that their Democrat wins. And I think that the cloudiest point, one of the things that we've seen is a very clear rightward trend among Texas Texas Latino voters. And I think that uh, in many ways you could argue that the Democratic Party in Texas has taken that vote kind of for granted That's right. for the last 20, 30 years. And really one of the things that I think is most interesting is when you begin to I, – I do a lot of work on immunization policy, and I was analyzing just yesterday uh, Democrats who voted no or voted for – excuse me, Democrats who voted for anti-vaccine bills. Okay, because traditionally, before like a session or two ago, we could always vote on Democrats, count on Democrats to to vote for vaccines and against the anti-vaccine stuff. And we've seen a lot of splintering and a lot more Democrats voting for these uh, uh, anti-vaccine bills. Mm. They're all from the border. Yeah. So you're beginning to see that as those districts have become more Republican, uh, we saw after the last round of redistricting, uh, a Democrat flipped to become Republican to keep his seat. Uh, another border Democrat. Yeah. So be careful when we're thinking about kind of casting this idea that Republicans, that so that Latinos vote one way or the other because they don't. So ultimately, for something like Colin already is going to lose by such a huge margin, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there's the, there's the, there, Ted Cruz is going to dominate that election and because sheer force of money and will ultimately win handily. In so, you, November, so you think there's no chance that Cruz loses? Correct. Wow. That's that's a interesting one as well. Well, I'm going to go on the presidential. <laughs> I, I disagree with you. I think there's a chance. But, I mean, if you have to predict, I, I get where you're going. Uh, I think on the presidential election, you know, when I think about who should – I think it really should be Haley and Newsom, all right? That would be a much more interesting campaign. Yeah. Uh, people would be much more energized, significantly younger. I mean, that's who should be running, right? I mean, I, I think that's that that's the deal. I think who will end up being, I absolutely think it'll be Biden. I do think we need to watch New Hampshire, though. And I, and I think... Uh, when we look at what happens in Iowa, that will be determined, you know, what, what, what's going on. If, if Haley comes in a strong third or second, she it propels her to the ballot. I think she could win New Hampshire. If she wins New Hampshire, I think there's a good chance that uh, with everything that's happening with Trump's legal troubles, she could potentially be the nominee. So I think we need to look at that. And I, I, I think we're all going to come to our senses in November. And I think Biden will be the, the winner. I, I, I mean, I only hope otherwise I think there's a really nice place for me in Spain somewhere. So I just can't, I can't handle the thought of, uh, of Trump being the president again. I mean, it's just not good for our country. No. Claudia, any uh, reaction to that? 
No, Bob. So, <laughs> <laughs> Caroline? Yeah, I think we've moved from, you know, we are people that disagree on tax policy. We maybe vote different ways to uh, there was an insurrection. There yeah. were people that wanted to kill legislators. And there is a person that I would argue doesn't believe in democracy, doesn't believe in elections. That is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I want to ask about uh, the upcoming legislative session, Sabo, uh, Caroline. I know you're you spend a lot of time there. Um, the interim charges are going on. We're really just preparing for the next legislative session, which will start next January. Uh, the governor had some huge uh, losses when it came to vouchers. Uh, uh, what is the the Houston Chronicle did a big front page story about the lack of legislative success that our governors had. Sabo, what's your what's your thought in terms of uh, where we're going legislatively in the state of Texas? Uh, I'm not so sure. I agree that that Abbott hasn't achieved a lot of success. I mean, look at what we've seen with Operation Lone Star across the border, to your point earlier, about yeah. immigration policy, Bob. Yeah. So I think depending upon the lens that you're choosing to look through, you could make the argument that there has been either no success or a tremendous amount. One thing that I think that kind of, you know, I, as I would refer to them normies, people who don't actually, like, live and breathe the recycled air of the Texas Capitol building, like, like Caroline and I do, uh, I don't think people really understand how angry people in the building are with each other mm. uh, to the point where, you know, it has boiled over into the staff level where staff now have deep animosity about other members and about leadership. And, and that hasn't always been the case. So in many ways, I think remembering that the legislature met for more days in 2023 than for any other day in Texas history. They had a lot of time to really, really get under each other's skin, and they did. Wow. And I think that one of the things that I think that people need to understand is this is not going to be a functional state legislature for a couple of sessions because a lot of the people in, in leadership positions and then their and their staff genuinely dislike one another and to a degree that I've never seen before. Caroline, uh, you spend a lot of time in Austin. Any thoughts for you and sort of uh, the political climate in Texas and where we're going? People need a break, for sure. Um, I think that we will see a tight focus uh, in the interim on only a few different issues. I'm hoping uh, human trafficking and opportunity youth, but definitely human trafficking will be one since uh, it is such a uh, bipartisan issue that we've historically been able to um, – you know, come together on, but yeah. is that going to be harder and harder? That's my yeah. big question. And uh, I guess my prediction is that we're going to see uh, fewer and fewer examples of people pulling together for some of these traditionally, you know, more bipartisan issues. Claudia, when you look at the welfare families in our state um, and you see what's happening uh, legislatively, We've had some some victories, right? But key ones like around health and education, which you could argue are the bookends for a successful life for Texans. Uh, no Medicaid expansion in our state, uh, which you know we're one of only ten states. The the amount of federal money coming in coming in to help our state health wise would be tremendous. Yet we continue to say no for political reasons. Do you see any hope uh, for families uh, going forward? Yeah, so, you know, Bob, um, it, it, it really is this conversation about um, how do we heal our um, relationships between our electeds and those in power and that have the pin um, to mark it up, right? Because the folks here in our communities, the lower income, the vulnerable communities, this is where it all ends up hurting. Um, folks without health insurance, folks that are food insecure, folks who are scared every day of whether they will be deported, um, kids that need opportunity for kinder-ready programs. I mean, the amount of opportunity, and, you know, many times we could say, that, you know, the need is great, but we could also see it as the amount of opportunity we have. So I think if I were one of those uh, electeds or had a, a conversation with them, it would be, look, heal yourself, heal the conversation. We have work to do. We have 
quite a bit of assets here in Texas. Um, the economy is still working for a good portion yeah. of the community. Our middle class needs um, uh, needs that support so that they don't fall under. And then our lower income, there is still, every day I'm out there, there are still so many families that have hope and have an opportunity. And we just have to be able to think, keep thinking about them. Um, if we keep going this route where Texas is going with some of these um, legislations, um, I'm not sure that uh, the community uh, will respond um, positively, and then yeah. that's when we'll see a huge shift. So I hope everyone just starts to heal themselves and have better conversations <laughs> and stop their rhetoric and stop, you know, uh, internal uh, fighting and discussion. And let's get to work for the people that we serve. Yeah. Before we end this segment, I wanted to ask you, uh, Claudia, about the mayor. We have a brand new mayor in Houston. Um, uh, you feeling good about things? You feel good? Want to make any predictions about our mayor? I'm a big fan of Mayor Whitmire. I've seen his career uh in the last few decades here in Houston, uh, I predict that he will continue to show up the way he did with the campaign, which is hire really good people. Yeah. I think that is the backbone of the success of anyone. And what I've seen uh, is that the people he is bringing around his table, the people that are representing him, are really, really strong. They're young. They're energetic. They're people of color. They are uh, just understand where we need to go. Yeah. And I think as long as he continues to bring that uh, group to the table, he's going to be very successful. Yeah. 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 And that's one of his, uh, the biggest knocks against him, against him as being the old white guy. So when he surrounds himself that's right. with these whippersnappers, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? That's right. I think that uh, many times in that's our community. That's the secret to my success, right? So that is it, the secret to all of our success, <laughs> is, is build a great team and then let them help you lead. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, we're going to talk to Layla Mazzali, who is our uh, the Director of Social Measurement and Evaluation at Children Risk, and she's going to talk about some of the data trends and those predictions. We'll be right back after the quick break. We are back with their California expert, Layla Mazzali, to do some data trends predictions. Layla, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. We are excited to hear some big numbers from you and what predictions you have for data. First, what is your idea on who will be the two candidates for the presidential election? Oh, good. Very good. Oof. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean... I, I personally think it's probably going to be a runoff between Biden and Trump. There you go. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it seems like we're on consensus. Would you want it to be Newsom as a citizen of his state? Um, you know, I <laughs> I have my critiques of just about everybody. Um, so I guess I guess we'll see. Um, I actually I um, am registered to vote in Tennessee, not California. So I will not be voting in the California state election. There you go. All right. Well, what are what are some big data points that you're predicting for the new year? Well, you know, you know, it's an unusual format today. So I don't have any specific numbers because we'll be speculating. Um, but in thinking ahead to the new year and what my predictions will be, I, I'm trying my best to keep it positive. Um, so, you know, with my predictions that things are going to continue to grow more unequal and a lot of the challenges that our public education system is facing are going to continue to grow more severe. Um, I also predict that um, the people of Texas and the U.S. will continue to remain resilient in the face of those challenges, and we're going to keep working towards positive change even as our, our struggles continue. She's going bold. She's going with the bold predictions, Layla is. So. I know. I mean, that was beautifully said and exactly what I would say, too, because I, I feel weird about omens. 
when when you look, I don't want to be too pessimistic. But when you look at the data, Layla, you know, in Texas, when we look just at data, you can't be too positive about trends. It's 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 difficult to be very optimistic. No, however, (laughs) things aren't getting significantly worse, Mm -hmm. but they're they're staying somewhat the same. um, But the way that they are is not necessarily the best. So I think with that in mind, yes, it's difficult to remain optimistic, especially with a lot of the political challenges faced by Texans. And then, of course, nationally, um, as we look towards this presidential election. Um, yeah, it's, it is hard to stay optimistic. I, will, I can't say that enough. Um, but hopefully we can see some positive change um, before, you know, things get Layla, one of the things I wanted to ask you, uh, and you and I talked about this the other day, Nicholas Kristof had a big column Mm -hmm. in the New York Times where he talked about when when you look sort of at uh, the last couple decades, poverty has really decreased in our world. And a couple of, you know, we see a lot of things getting worse, but there have been a couple of things like poverty that have gotten better. And it's and I'm struck by in Texas, when we look at numbers of low income families, how high they are, when we look at the number of families that need uh, attention and a, and a medical home, how high those numbers are and how easy some of these fixes are in terms of policy and how little things in policy could really make a big difference. Yet we we tend, you know, we tend to be caught up in, well, that would be socialism or these are things we can't afford these things. And yet uh, it's it's pretty easy to see that sometimes little changes have a big impact on some of these numbers. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's really interesting that people who want uh, the government to be so intimately involved in their family decisions simultaneously uh, want the government to absolutely leave people out to dry when it comes to accessing food and housing and medicine and all of these things. Um, it's it's an irony that's certainly not lost on me. Um, but yeah, the, the, the predictions that were made in that article that you're referencing, I mean, he mentioned some of the major medical advancements that we've seen um, you know, from a technological perspective, which are great. But, you know, when you have a healthcare system in the U.S., these advancements healthcare technologies don't really matter very much when so many people won't be able to access them because of insurance contingencies or being uninsured or all of these other reasons. Um, so, you know, it's great that we might come up with um, different uh, advancements to cancer research and cancer treatments, but until those treatments are available to everybody, yeah. it's hard to get excited about them. Yeah, Caroline? Uh, I think I read the other day that the number of maternal deaths in Texas since 1999 have almost doubled. Yeah. I mean, that is that is a shocking statistic. Yeah. And some of the little things that could be done to make that better, yet we're, we're not doing them, right? I think it's sort of like Medicaid expansion, right? So it's uh, yeah. that's sort of a, an interesting thing. Layla Mazzali is Bob, our... if I could... If I could oh, yeah, Jason, talk. go ahead. The... Uh, what... This conversation, particularly Caroline's point about maternal mortality, I think one of my predictions for this year is, is the coming reckoning of the post-Dobbs world in Texas with, you know, just the simple math of more children being born every year, uh, inc- including a lot of children with complex medical needs uh, who will also, even with, with, with or without complex medical needs, have you know, demands on all kinds of, of public health, public infrastructure systems from schools to foster care. We haven't really begun to reckon with that yet. Yeah. And I think that numerically we will have to in the coming year or so. Very good. Thank you, Jason. Layla Mazzali is the director of the Center for Social Measurement Evaluation and our regular resident data expert. Thank you, Layla, for uh, your predictions today. Coming up on Growing Up in America in our last uh, couple minutes, 20 minutes or so, we have predictions on entertainment, technology, and uh, our panel of experts will give their big predictions for the year. We have Claudia Geary with us in the studio, Caroline Roberts, uh, Jason Sabo's on the horn with us from Austin. We'll be right back after the break. We are 
back on air with our in-house resident entertainment expert, me, Claire Duche, to do some entertainment <laughs> entertainment predictions. It doesn't say highest grossing tour, but it, we are going to start with best picture of the year. Should wow. I start? Or yeah, yeah, go ahead. I have an idea. Well, if it's up to me, it'd be theater camp, but I don't know if that's going to be on the, the ballot of options. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, it won't be. Yeah, so, uh, it should yeah. be. It's a fantastic movie. Is it really good? Kid heart. Well, if, I feel like if you're not really a theater kid, you won't. You oh, okay. won't click with it, but wonderful for theater kids. Um, but I, I think it's going to be Poor Things, seeing how it did at the Golden poor Globes. Poor Things, yeah. Oh, it soared. I mean, Oppenheimer soared a lot more than I thought. Did you see, it? Did you see Poor I Things? Thought. I haven't yet. Oh, I yeah. love Emma Stone. It's I'm very, very excited. It's a very good movie. Yeah. yeah. I have to see it. I did think Barbie would do better. It kind of flopped, so I don't see that as best picture. Oppen- I do want it to be best picture, but I think it's going to be Poor Things, and I want that over Oppenheimer. But, Caroline? Uh, I think it will probably be Oppenheimer just because it's such classic Oscar bait. Uh, yeah. I also thought it was a good movie. Uh, I'm a big Killian Murphy fan, mm-hmm. uh, especially Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Um, but that's my prediction. Claudia. I'm a history buff, and then I'm a girly girl. So <laughs> Oppenheimer uh, just fills that bucket. But you Barbie. love Barbie. You like, love Barbie. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I would have predicted it would have uh, ended a little better in 2023, but I'm still hopeful um, that Barbie, but Oppenheimer Barbie. might take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I think Greta Gerwig could indeed be best director, though. I mean, mm-hmm. right, didn't she do such a fantastic job? Sabo, how about you? What do you think? This is your favorite category to predict, right? The best picture? What are you thinking? Well, you know, I'm going to predict Oppenheimer because I think it's going to win, and I want it. I want it. It's 2025. I want to look smart, but man, I really liked the Iron Claw. I oh, called my I son the other night, and you know, there's a great father-son kind of movie to go see, or for bro. It's it's a great it's a great guy movie, right? You know, different kind of portrayal of guydom, which I appreciate. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that one might pick traction up as it as we move through award season. Um, I just feel like Christopher Nolan always dominates at the at the Oscars, so I see that winning. Next up, we have World Series. Did you ask Doctor? Bro- oh, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting for those who can't see that I didn't ask and I forgot because I thought you gave your answer. What is the best picture? So, so. Um- I, th- I think it's going to come down to Killers of the Flower Moon or Oppenheimer. Oh, I forgot about uh, that. And uh, I think Oppenheimer maybe has a little bit more steam, but both great movies, both based upon history, which I think is great. How how often does it do two, three-hour movies based upon history sort of come up as finalists? So yeah. uh, so I'm thinking Oppenheimer. To me, it was, it was very – I loved Barbie. Mm-hmm. I loved Poor Things. Uh, so a lot of good movies out there. And yeah. – uh, uh, and I love that Ger- Greta Gerwig was the director for Barbie as well, and how she wrote that whole thing. Yeah, you know, so uh, kudos there, so. Bob. It seems that our age group is still going to the movies, so <laughs> <laughs> hooray for that! You know, when there's an IPIC theater in town, it's so easy to go to the movies, right? Well, so or Studio Movie now Grill, <laughs> Studio Movie Grill. I mean, it's yeah. so it's it's very nice. So very I'm good. excited. I do think there is actor and actresses, but I think women will dominate at the Oscars as well, so I'm excited. All right, now we can move to the World Series. Caroline, who's taking it home? Oh, the World Astros, Series. Of course. <laughs> Astros, okay. Claudia? Astros. Claudia as well. Right. Jason, you have a favorite in the World Series? Yeah, the Cincinnati Reds. This is their year. If you paid any attention last season, you know this is their season. Uh, have you ever got the oh, World Jason. Series prediction right, Jason, over the years? Has that ever happened? No, because I think that I always pick the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> <laughs> One year you'll come back cheering. <laughs> we may need to keep Jason doing politics uh, predictions. Uh, so I think uh, Astros or Dodgers both do well. I'm, uh, you know, I'm an Astros fan. I'm a Red Sox fan as well. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm going to go with Astros, I think, Claire. I know. I'd say Astros. I did. I did like the camaraderie around the Phillies. Any sports team from Louisiana, so we didn't have baseball, so I can mm, claim any team. Yeah, but fair. I'll go the Astros, so I don't um, get yelled at on the street. What are you thinking around football and the Super Bowl? The Super yeah. Bowl is coming up pretty soon. Well, I mean, you know, I have to say the Chiefs. Yeah. So they're taking it home. <laughs> who do you? Who do you think? You're like? I actually had to Google this question to see if it, how many teams I had to choose from. Turns out playoffs I don't think have even happened. So this is not. They a very start good, this weekend. This weekend, not a very good predictor. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens. Oh, the Ravens. That's a good prediction, though. Yeah, it's a pretty good prediction. Because I googled who the Google who were the, best the Google teams. machine helped you out. 
Claudia, do you have a favorite for the Super Bowl? I, too, had to Google it. And as a Swifty, I'm thinking she led <laughs> me into this and theme. I go to Baker Ripley this year. Oh, so uh, I am all for that. Um, but... Um, so Kansas Chiefs, but um, if the Texans, I'm a I'm a hometown girl. Um, I have zero idea if they're capable of it, but they, they're capable of winning the first round. But yeah. then they would be up against uh, Caroline's favorite team, the Ravens. So that would be. Uh, <laughs> so in order to get it right, I'll go with Caroline. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll stick by my girl, Jason. Man, Jerry Jones is a horrid human being, but the Cowboys are going to take it this year. No, wow! Take that back, Sorry, Houston. Sorry, solid, Houston. Solid prediction on the yeah. Cowboys. I think that's a good prediction, right? So, uh, yeah, and I'm going to go with uh, Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia oh. is the team. So this year, so that'd be exciting. Yeah, yeah. I like the camaraderie around yeah, there. Yeah, very good. Uh, do we have any more entertainment? Do you have a big entertainment prediction for the year, Claire? I really do not. I don't even know what happens in entertainment every year. Maybe. Um, Grammys, uh, music. Uh, I heard Billie Eilish is going for an EGOT, if that's something people want to think on. Here's the thing that I wanted to ask you is uh, over the year we've done sort of uh, uh, BQ has been with us and she's given us uh, hip speak, right? Some of these yeah. words. And I remember midway through the year uh, with hip speak, she introduced the word riz to us, which you know because, Charisma. you know, you're risen out all the boys all the time. <laughs> yeah, well. And uh <laughs> And, and I'm wondering, you know, for us to have Riz, and then that became the slang word of the year, right, as designated by those that designate those things. Correct. Uh, uh, does BQ have a little prescience in her? Is she able to sort of make some of these predictions? Is that what we think? Uh, maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm interested to see where the Gen Z lingo turns this year. I think, um, they, they shun when millennials start saying it. So you just saying Riz about 40 times might've killed it, but I'm interested to see which I'm not a millennial, I'll assure you. (laughs) Well, I'll give you millennial, but I'm interested to see what words they just shorten and create. Yeah. Yeah. So I just single-handedly killed Riz. I hope I'm kind of over Riz. So I'll let the teens know. But isn't that the very nature of slang? You get over it eventually, right? Yeah, I mean, me and Caroline talk about all the time, this upcoming generation moves at speed with trends. And so um, it's like every week something's out. I mean, I saw, what was I telling you? Going out tops. Oh, wearing wearing nice tops is out for the new year. Oh, really? Nice tops are out. If you're a millennial, if you're trying to wear a nice top. You know what I want to bring back (laughs) in 2024? Individuality. Wear what you want. Create your own style. Absolutely. Stop following all these trends. When was that a thing? You yeah. know, when was I mean? You don't it seems need a like- Stanley Cup. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, justice for Stanley Cups, actually. But you only need one. You only need one. Coming up after the break, we're going to go with big tech and big productions of the year. Let's see what we have in our last couple minutes. We'll be right back here on Growing Up in America. Did you pick that music, Claire? Is that your music? It was kind of nice. It was like it a dentist seemed, waiting. It sounded room. like uh, baby boomer music or something, right? Oh, Maybe yeah, greatest probably. generation music. So uh, Rico's trying to keep us on our toes on this one. Entertainment. Uh, uh, we've finished. Uh, and uh, Jason, did you get your entertainment, Phil? Uh, I, I, yeah. There's okay. a new Dune movie coming out. The second part of the Dune movie. Oh, that's right. Coming yeah, that's, out this that's year, which I'm big, excited about that's that. That's going to be a big deal. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, there's a lot of uh, good shows and movies coming out, but I want to go to technology and uh, Claudia Aguirre, Baker Ripley. Uh, tech- you have a big technology prediction for the year. What are you thinking? So I hear that you are um, such a TikToker and mm. uh, AI is right in li- uh, with your predictions. Um, but I think I, I'm, I'm going to go with AI. I think I'm going to see the integrative uh, data um, maximize much more using um, AI for nonprofits, for for small business. I, I really see uh, the opportunity to think about uh, data and reports and, and customization of, of things. Um, way beyond what we currently have yeah 
you know, uh, I predicted last year AI right yeah. would be big this year, and I'm you know I love it when I get a prediction right. So so I'll be able to re- repeat this a couple of times over the year how I predicted it. But uh, I think uh, I think you're right. I think it's going to be much deeper into what we're doing right in, in terms of our work. Uh, how about how about with you, uh, Claire? You have a big pr- technology prediction. Um, uh, I have two specifics because I also want to be right in a year. One, I think we're going to see a boom in the moxies for kids. The little robots, they're going to be replicated and cheaper, um, and it's going to very. It's going to be interesting how children's social interactions happen with that. And then I don't know if you've been to Whole Foods recently, but you can pay with the palm of your hand. So I think that's going to expand. No, really? Yeah. It's, I didn't see that. It's like connected to Amazon. I haven't tried because it, it does. Is this where me. you have the little 666 tattooed on your hand as well? Is that <laughs> No, I, and then it, it brands you when you put it down. <laughs> um, but it'd be interesting to see because Apple Pay is starting. Now even I am um, I feel annoying when I go in a store and I'm like, oh, they don't have Apple Pay? Like that's yeah, not an obscure thing. Or tap, um, but they don't even have a tap. I know, but I'm, I can't pay with my hand. <laughs> like I might, It might blow up. Wow, very good. Caroline, you have a... Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We've seen uh, this big tech drawdown. Uh, money isn't free anymore. It's gotten more expensive. So I think that there will be uh, fewer tech innovations because of that. But uh, I think AI will make um, strategy and innovative ideas much more important because the uh, AI is only as good as the person putting something into it. So it'll be interesting to see businesses move more towards hiring those types of positions. And then I think that there we'll see some technology around uh, social connection. I think people are lonelier than ever. They're coming out of uh, you know the pandemic and they want to connect with each other. So I think that's where... Um, startups will go. You know, this morning I got up, uh, Caroline, and yesterday you and I had talked about a couple of uh, editorials that we wanted to write, op-eds, and I decided I would write one, and I wrote one, and then I thought, let me just put some of these key points in AI and chat GPT and see and ask it to write an op-ed. And, you know, it wasn't as good as mine, I have to say, but it wasn't bad. I mean, they do a pretty good job. AI can do a pretty good job. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really going to benefit uh, organizations and small business that it hadn't in this past year. Uh, The amount of information, obviously, it's very individualized. What you put in is what you get out. But I have seen some amazing products come through that and beneficial for, for so many of us. Uh, Jason, you have a good uh, tech prediction for us? We lost Jason. Okay. Uh, so I've been watching what's going on in Las Vegas. This is the big tech, the big technology convention that's going on. And uh, there's a new gadget that I think is going to take off technology-wise. It's like a Keurig for ice cream. You have a little machine, and you put in a little capsule, and out comes soft-serve ice like cream. For real. You don't even have to keep it refrigerated. And so I, this is my technology, you know, ready-made ice cream like that. So I'm really excited about that. But I think uh, on a sort of more serious, I, I'm, I'm going to double da- down on self-driving cars. I've been predicting this for five years now. I think it's, we're closer than ever, and AI is going to uh, keep doing well. Jason, you have a good technology prediction for us? Yeah, I kind of have a, a Luddite technology prediction, kind of, oh, you know, Luddite. in okay. a sense, arcing off of what Caroline said about the lack of social connection kind of coming out of the pandemic. I think this is the year, and I think in many ways we can thank Elon Musk for this, that people begin to reject the technologies and, you know, reject these ideas that technology inherently produces democracy, and people really begin to reflect on the downside of many of these technologies, not just on children via Instagram or whatnot, or democracy via Facebook or whatnot, but just the general degradation of the larger social conversation that a lot of these technologies are are fomenting. And I think that people are going to turn away from that. And I don't mean that, you know, everybody's going to have a zine and a public access radio show, but I do think that people are going to be a little more introspective about how they use those technologies. Uh, Caroline, in our last couple minutes, I want to go to your big prediction because you're sort of associated to this. So what is your big prediction for the year? So my big prediction for the year is that we're going to start seeing uh, pop-ups of clubs, uh, different organizations that are helping young people to socialize because we have a generation of people who uh, didn't get to go to traditional college and get they, they don't know exactly how to make connections. And I think we're going to see businesses um, – 
you know, make money off of that and essentially mm. uh, create these opportunities for them to get out and connect with one another. And wow. I hope it will be also helpful. Yeah, very good. Claudia Aguirre, you have a big prediction for the year for us? And, you know, and at the same time, I think about our uh, lower income communities. I think the prediction in 2024 is that they will finally have access to community resources at the palm of their phone and at the palm of technology. So I'm going to see it in both ways. I'm going to see our communities finally have access to every technology tidbit that we've enjoyed, and they're going to make use of it, and they're going to be able to access community resources. Wow. Claire, you have a big prediction for the year. Um, I have a hope thinking of um, what Caroline said and kind of what Jason said earlier, the like rise of the third place and community. I think people are burned out. They've done the doom scrolling for years and years. I'm seeing a fall in giving, um, giving a care for what influencers are doing and what's happening just because there's so many and it's oversaturated. I think we're just going to put the phone, this is a hope, put the phones down and really embrace community and one another. Um, And then we can give tech a moment to use itself for good. Wow. I I think this is very interesting. You and Jason are sort of on the same. And I am on the completely opposite side of that. I think we're doubling (laughs) down on technology. I I feel like everyone is embracing. I agree. It's going to embrace whether they like it or not. AI, technology, everything. I mean, this is part of where we're going, right? I really think this is the the thing. Jason, you have a good final prediction for us in our last minute? Uh, You know, actually, you just started it for me because I think you're right. I'm not to, and I do think ultimately when you look at where we're going, we are going toward this more technologically advanced future. However, I think the lesson that we're not learning from what we've seen with social media, for example, is these technologies are not being used for, to create democracy. They're being used to create wealth and, and sell us yeah. insecurity and stuff, right? And my worry is that, and my big prediction is that we will double down in a negative way in that mm, regard. Yeah. You know, for my final prediction, I just want to talk a little bit about AI. Um, As I look at TikTok, I've seen a very rough Taylor Swift endorsing something. I mean, as you look at it, you realize it's AI and she's not really doing it. But I think we're getting more and more sophisticated. I feel like before this election happens, there's going to be some viral video that happens that people really buy into. And we know there are groups that love to buy into stuff without even looking at Uh, at the reality of the situation. And I worry that this is something that's going to drive a lot of people uh, sort of in the wrong direction. I would like to say that my end, my big prediction for the year is that we're not going to buy into misinformation and disinformation anymore. But unfortunately I think technology is going to help in that regard and it's going to be a big problem. But this is my hope as we get into our final 30 seconds, Claire, my hope is that this becomes a great year for children and families, that all of us here, you know, Caroline Roberts, Claudia Geary, Jason Sabo, and Austin, that all of us are able to say we've done a lot for kids, a lot for families in Texas. Uh, and while there's more to do, uh, we're up for the problem, we're up for the challenge, and we want everyone to be a part of that with us. So, Claire, any final thoughts as we uh, end up our, our prediction show? No, my hope is that we have a fully funded, excellent, high-quality public education system. There you go. Put that, that is, out there uh, the my universe. hope. That is Claudia Geary's hope. <laughs> that is Caroline, thank you so much. Claudia, thank you thank very, you. very much. Sabo, always nice to have you on. Thanks so much, man. Uh, likewise. All right. Uh, until next week, for Claire and Bo- Dr. Bob, we'll see you next time on Growing Up in America. Black Heritage Society and the City of Houston present the 46th Annual Original MLK Parade, Monday, January 15th at 10 a.m. in downtown Houston. The parade is open to the public and will commence on the corner of Smith and McKinney in front of City Hall. This year's theme is Brotherly Love is the strongest advocacy for peace, freedom, and justice for all. The 46th Original MLK Junior Parade will be led by Attorney Benjamin Crump Esquire, a civil rights lawyer who will serve as the Grand Marshal. 
Commissioner Adrian Garcia and Pastor Walter August Jr. will serve as co-grand marshals for the parade. For more information on the parade and other MLK weekend festivities, visit BlackHeritageSociety.net. You miss your woman, and I miss my man too. Hey everybody, this is Glenna Bell, and you're listening to 90.1 FM KPFT Houston. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who who got got his first first job, job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong.